I have a special message that I prepared for our graduates, but also I want you to take some opportunity as this is really just a message for every single person here. It's a message for every single person here. The message today is just going to be called Running Your Race. Running Your Race. Come on, how many of you realize that we all have a race to run? We all have a race to run. And sometimes those races are sprints. Sometimes those races are long marathons, okay? I was talking to a guy here a while back. I bought some tennis shoes from and he had just got back from an ultra marathon. Anybody know what an ultra marathon is? It's called insanity. Okay, that's what that is. It's a hundred mile run, I think, right? A hundred miles. He ran from like Key West to Key Largo or something like that. Totally crazy. All the great scenery the whole way. But today I want to talk to you a little bit about running your race. And the scripture verse I have here for us is Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. If you have your Bible, go ahead and get that out. And we're going to look into that. And if you don't have a Bible with you, just we have Bibles there in the, the seat fronts or the seat backs in front of you. Go ahead and grab that. I'll give you just an opportunity to, to get there. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says this, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, what this scripture says is that we all have a race that is set before us. You graduates, you have a race that is set before us. Is this thing clicking a lot? Because it's, if it's bothering me, is, is it clicking? Head shakes? No? It's good? Okay. So, um, so we, have a, we all have a race to run. And, and, and as I came into this journey, taking this transitional time, all you graduates, you're fixing to go into a life transitional time and period. You may not realize it yet, but your life is going to be different from this day forward. Whether you're going from high school to college, whether you're going from college to career, or whatever the case may be, life changes dramatically when we go through these transitions. And as I came into the pastor of this church, my life began to change dramatically as I came to this this transition. So I had to begin to look at some things very clearly. I began to understand that this is really just a race. The difference between a race and a run is simply a race has 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 a destination, it has some goals, it has some boundaries. And it's got an end point, right? That's a race. A run is just simply running, right? I go out and I exercise on my treadmill and I'll just run, 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 and run. And I get down, I just take, I step off the same exact place I got on. But sometimes life can treat us like that. Sometimes life can be like that. We're running hard, but we're not racing anywhere. See, Jesus says here, or the Bible says in Hebrews that we all have a race that is set before us. Somewhere where we need to begin to progress from one day to the next, God has a purpose for each and every one of our lives. It's not just to exist. You know, we have food, we have sleep, we have rest, but we do all those things because God wants us to accomplish things. God says it in his word that we're all more than conquerors, right? We need to begin to conquer and take ground for the Lord. And as I came in here to the, to the church, I began to take on this new role. I saw that we were first assembly. We were a place to meet with God. Come on, how many of you realize that this is a place to meet with God? I'm going to tell you right now, during worship, just the spirit, the, the spirit of God was on this place. 
If you didn't feel it, then you just didn't feel it. Shannon, like Shannon said, you know, you just feel the pulse. But being a place to meet with God, it takes some intentionality. It takes some work, right? It's just like all of us want to have a prosperous career in life, right? And nobody wants to just be broke at the end of our days. And nobody wants to just have accomplished nothing, right? But we need to begin to set some goals and set some strategies and things for our life. And God began to speak strongly to me that we needed a strategy in this church even to be a place to meet with God. What does that look like and what does that mean for everybody? You know, obviously it means for the, for the lost person, for the person who comes here seeking Jesus, it's a place where they can be found. For the person here seeking family, it's a place that they can connect with others. For the place that's seeking discipleship, for seeking growth, it's a place where we can grow together. It's a, for people who are coming to look for a place to serve, it's a place that we can serve others. And all those things, we do it as unto the Lord. So I just begin to write those things down, write those thoughts Write down those things that I thought that God was leading us and leading this church into the future. You see, we have a goal that's set before us. We all know the Great Commission. Go ye into all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, making disciples. That's our goal. Our goal is to set people free. Our goal is to save the lost. Our, our goal is to preach salvation, spirit baptism, healing. Our, our, our goal is to speak and preach eternity in our community. But how do we do that? We realize that, that our mission is a place to connect with others, to grow together, to serve the community, and to reach the lost. And as we begin to look at that and race towards those things, we can begin to see and, and take charge of, of our own destinies and our own futures in our lives. Just as many of those graduates, they looked at, I remember kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, all those things, right? It's all building to what? That graduation day. You can't just get to graduation day and, and expect to, to graduate. You just can't show up. I'm just going to stay home from school my whole life, show up on graduation day, and I'm just going to walk down the aisle. They're not even going to mention your name. You've got to participate. You've got to take charge. You've got to begin to go through those steps. But it's not enough just to connect, to grow, and to serve, and to reach. You know, the Lord gives us some specific mandates in Scripture. Some ways in order to accomplish that. See, we can connect with others, but our connections need to be spirit-empowered. That we're a church that, that, that is charged by the Holy Spirit to go and preach salvation, but also to, to, to preach power to those who want to serve Him. As a matter of fact, we are a Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, Pentecostal church. Come on, that's who we are. Amen? Why? Because it says in the Scriptures over and over again that, 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 that speaking in tongues is evidence of baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we ought to wait in Jerusalem until we're endued with power from on high before we go out there and try to do the work of the ministry. Come on, how many of us, if we have the opportunity to be more effective at our jobs, are just going to say, I'm going to go out without getting more effective. I'm going to go out without the training. I'm going to go out without, without the empowering. I'm going to go out without the authority. I wouldn't. I'm going to wait right there until I'm ready to go. It's no different than if you have a small child, right? You don't just go let them out on the streets without first teaching them that to look both ways before you cross the road. You have some training to do. So everything that we do here needs to be spirit-empowered. As a matter of fact, that's the only way that we can operate. So we connect with others in spirit-empowered, life-giving. You see, what we do is life-giving. You know, we, I, I, can preach, I can appreciate a good fire and brimstone message amen 
we were, uh, Brother Lamar, I'm just going to use you because, man, you shared your testimony. I get to use some of the things you said, you know. Uh, he was just talking about an old pastor that, that used to preach hellfire and brimstone every single Sunday. Come on, how many of you realize that in some places that's what needs to be preached? That people need to know the realities of hell, that there's a real hell, that there's a real eternity of torment, gnashing of teeth. But there's also a real Savior that sets us free. There's a real Savior that, that gives us eternal life with Him in heaven. But our ministry here is, is, is Spirit-empowered as we allow the Holy Spirit to move through the body of Christ. As we believe in, 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 in the, that the speaking of tongues, the, the interpretation of tongues, and the power of prophecy, in miracles, in healings, in faith, that we believe that we can serve our, our, our communities in a supernatural ability of, of, of serving through, through works and helps. As we super, I mean, it's a supernatural thing when you come and watch the souls and the lives that are changed through just a small food pantry. That Michelle, she, I mean, Michelle's the most humble person that I know, really. And she comes over here and, she, and she's able to serve two, three hundred people and families per month in just a little small, humble place. Why? Because it's supernatural, spirit-empowered, life-giving, Christ-centered ministry. That we put Jesus Christ as the center of everything that we do. That it's okay to connect with others. Come on, how many of you realize Facebook is a great place to connect? Y'all realize that? It's a great place to connect. Now, you don't really know what you're connecting to, but you're connected pretty strong, in fact. I mean, it's actually a pretty strong connection. But see, it's not not just any connection that we're looking for. Our connections need to be spirit-empowered connections. Our connections need to be life-giving connections. Our our connections need to be Christ-centered. Everything we do has, sin, has, has Jesus Christ as a center of our work. We do this because He did it to us. We serve others because He serves us. As we grow and we begin to, to grow as individuals, I, I just want to tell you now that, that as we just begin to engage in small groups and begin to engage in discipleship training and we begin to engage in, in just improving our whole Sunday morning experiences and services and, and, and as we just improve on our outreaches into the community, that everything that we do is going to be spirit-empowered and we're going to begin to grow, not just in numbers, but we're going to begin to grow as individuals. Come on, I believe that God's called every one of you to growth in your life. Come on, this isn't the end of your walk today. It's a race. You started here and you ended down the road somewhere. It's a race, not a run. Come on, the things that we do have the ability to be life-changing for us and for others. We're going to begin to grow as individuals, grow in our spirit, grow in our abilities. As we engage a spirit-empowered growth model. As we engage a life-giving growth model. As we engage a Christ-centered growth model. It's the same thing as we serve. You know, we have the opportunity. This past week, I had the opportunity. Just wonderful, wonderful foundations that were set here at the church with Pastor Tommy. I mean, he, he has the connections in the city. I could literally, we go into the, they get invited to go pray at the sports complex, at National Day of Prayer, at council meetings, all these things. But, but we're always going to put Jesus Christ as the center of what we do. The prayers that we pray, the testimonies that we carry, the witnesses that we have are Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, life-giving. That we're going to speak life into the community by serving it. Sometimes through work, sometimes through food, or whatever the case may be. 
This is the DNA. These are the things. This is the mission that God has set us upon. These are the things that we need to clarify and focus upon. As it says right there in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, not unto other things. Looking unto Jesus. We run the race that's set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So these graduates, congratulations. You know, that's a big deal. I mean, man, I, I heard some, where y'all graduated, what y'all are doing. It's a big task. You can't do it without Christ. But you have a family here that's going to support you and encourage you. That you can surround yourself with a great cl- a, a, a cloud of witnesses. Not just one or two or three or ten or ten thousand. If you read through Hebrews chapter 11, it goes in and talks about even Moses and Abraham and Noah. And, and Elisha and Elijah and all these prophets and David. All of these are cheering you on. They want you to succeed. We want you to succeed in what God puts in you. That race that he sets before you. Every single one of us have a race. I guess the question is, is what race are we running? You know, they all may look a little different. Come on, my, my race has, has kind of tr- transformed. I was 20 years in the oil field. I was a fishing tool guy, okay? How many of y'all know that sounds pretty fun? But it's, it's, it is fun. But it's, it's a pretty complex job. I would go down and they would, they would get pipes stuck in the ground and I would have the, the opportunity to go and help them get it out, right? So God called me from being a fisher of oil to, tools to being a fisher of men. My, my same race, maybe a different lane. But what every one of us have a different race to run. Some of us, uh, Michelle working in our food pantry. Some of us have a gift and a calling to serve our community. Some of us are musicians. I mean, I just love Kristen. She went on to, to, to do great and wonderful things in Baylor and, and now has her master's degree. Is going to be teaching. So it's just remarkable. Are some of our fine arts people that went here just this past weekend. It was amazing to see the artwork the dedication. I mean, we have, have people going to... The, oh, it's just remarkable what God can do with a life as we engage Him in that Spirit-powered life. But we all have different races to run. They all look different. Some of the, one of the best advices I ever got in my life was from a man of God. He said, Joe, don't try to be anybody else. You just try to be the best Joe God's called you to be. You know, that's a pretty challenging thing. And I can say that. Y'all try to be the best Joe God's called y'all to be. I don't know if that's really what he meant. That was a joke. So that's a dad joke, sorry. No, you be the best you that God's called you to be. Come on, as we begin to function and work exactly how God has us to work, man, the, the ability for growth is phenomenal. The ability for, I mean, could you imagine, y'all, y'all have all been to a race, right? Y'all, have y'all been to a track race? Uh, can you imagine the 100 meters relay, uh, the 100 meter dash? I used to run the 100 meters in high school, and uh, I mean, I was, I'd finish, I guess I was good at it, that didn't mean I always won. But can you imagine if we all tried to just get into the same lane and run that race, what that would look like? It would, be, it would be chaos and catastrophe, and I don't think it would work out too well. There's no winners that come out of that, except for the fastest guy. You know, he can stay ahead of everybody. But if the fastest guy starts in the back, it's just bad luck. But, but the, my, my point is, is that if we all try to run the same race in the same lane, do the same thing, it's just chaos. God hasn't called us. He hasn't established us to be like that. He wants us to run our own race. But although we run, all run in our own race, it's a different race, it's different giftings, it's different talents, it's different abilities. Come on, we all have the same goal. So different race, same goal. Go ye into all the nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. We've all got a calling to minister into our communities, into the lives of those that God's put into our path. The same goal. So here's the question. Are, are, are we racing in circles or are we racing in straight lines? Right? Do we keep kind of circling back to the same problems and issues and challenges that we've had before? Or are we actually making some progress in our lives? Now, I didn't come here today to, to give you a, a, a speech on setting goals and, and progress and vision and mission, right? But that's kind of part of it. Because those are some biblical things. Those are biblical ideas. They, they can be applied in our lives as you graduate, as you begin to take these next steps in life. Don't just think that, that you know, I've, I've graduated now, I'm just going to go on to the next thing. It's going to be all good. But you need to begin to now set some goals, set some targets, set some things in your life so you can run in straight lines and not just in circles. That you can begin to get to those destinations that God's called you to get to. You can begin to accomplish the things God's put into your heart. Those seeds that are planted can begin to bear fruit in your life. Racing is not always about speed, but it's about direction and goals. Come on, I talked about a marathon. It's not a speed race. It's a race of endurance. And many times we're running the same race, but it looks different along the way. Sometimes we sprint toward the goal, and sometimes it's just about enduring it long, hard, long, hard, terrible, pain, sweat, blisters. I remember here a couple of years ago, I began to train for a marathon, which I never really completed. And that's kind of one of my goals. I want to run a marathon before I turn 40. Now, it's getting close to that, that time where it's going to be impossible to do. But, but I remember during those times, I was like, you've got to begin to press forward to the goal. Know what you want to do and begin to do it. There's going to be days you want to quit. Don't quit. Habakkuk 2.2 says this. I saw Alicia posted on Facebook. This, uh, wherever Alicia is. Oh, there she is. And it was like, Hey, that's my scripture verse from, uh, for Sunday. It says this, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. I'm going to read it one more time. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. What are some of the goals that you have in a life? Have you said, what is your life mission? What is your life mission? What has God called you to do? What has God called you to accomplish? You have some friends back here with eight days of hope. God's brought them to us and, and allowed them. They, we're just kind of a stopover on their way to Houston as they go and help and serve a community that was still suffering devastation from Hurricane Harvey. If you have an opportunity, maybe go. They're right back there. Just go tell them hi. Tell them you appreciate the work that they're doing in the kingdom. As they just begin to continue that long, burdensome work of recovery of that. But God's given them a purpose and a direction in their life. God's given them some things and they are running to it because they have the vision and it's plain and they understand what they're wanting to accomplish. You know, I remember about five, well, no, it's not been five years ago. Now it's been 10 years ago. My goodness gracious. I was, I, me and Shannon were sitting in our living room and God, he just began to speak to me in different ways. He said, Joe, you work, look at your life in five years. He said, if you continue doing the things that you're doing today, in five years from now, you're going to be right here asking, why didn't I change something? Why didn't I change something? So I said, you know, okay, makes sense to me, God. 
So we began, me and Shannon began to make intentional investments in our lives and our children's lives in order to make changes that we wanted to make change, to bring forth the fruit that God wanted to bring forth in our lives. You're not, if you're just sitting there waiting for it to happen, it's not going to happen. We, had to, we began to make decisions. We began to set goals. We began to set things in front of us, intentionally challenging ourselves. One of the gr- great examples of goal setting is my son, Nathan. Y'all, y'all probably met Nathan a few times. He is a, he's a pretty tenacious young man. And uh, here the other day, he's a, he's a natural salesman. It's kind of it's remarkable, actually. And because, uh, I mean, I'm not a great salesperson, but I'm okay. So we, have a, we live in a neighborhood, I don't know, about 150 houses or so. And uh, he, he got the mandate from school to go and, and, and raise money for the Heart Foundation, okay? For the, I don't know, what, the American Heart Foundation, huh? Yeah, Food for Hearts. Hoops for hearts. There you go. So, so what they did is, is just they like looking just for donations, basically. So my son says, Dad, I'm going to go raise $200. I'm like, whoa, that's a pretty hefty target, son. So he comes back about two hours later with $200 cash in an envelope. Okay? $200 cash in an envelope. That's right. So I asked him, I said, Nathan, I mean, what did you do? He said, well, I just went and knocked on doors, Dad. I said, just knock on the door. And they're like, I said, what did they say? Well, some of them, they gave me like a dollar or two dollars or ten dollars. Some people just closed the door. I mean, I was like, how'd that make you feel? I wasn't worried about it. that one house, Dad. I knew I had multiple more houses to go to, right? I'm not going to give up because of one little setback. Come on, that's right. How many of us can learn from that? We can't give up because of little setbacks in our lives. Something doesn't go exactly like we thought it was going to go, it just stop. And for an 11-year-old kid who can go out and raise 200 bucks just by knocking on doors, it's pretty impressive. But we've got to continue to run the race day in and day out. We need to surround ourselves. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we need to surround ourselves with that great cloud of witnesses. You know, as we begin to run this race of life, you need to ask yourself, who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you surrounding yourself with? I've got people that I call worriers in my life. People that every time I tell them what I'm going to do, they just tell me why it's not a good idea. Every time I tell them that God spoke this, they say, well, you know, what, what about all these other things? Those are my worriers, right? I'm going to tell you, I don't really try to surround myself with worriers. You know who I surround myself with? I try to surround myself with warriors. I try to surround myself with life speakers. I try to surround myself with people that say, you know, Joe, that seems impossible, but I know that with God, all things are possible. Come on, we need to quit surrounding ourselves so much with warriors and start surrounding ourselves with warriors in the Spirit. People that are going to pray for you. People that you can call at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning when you have a trouble in your life and that are going to begin to not speak death but speak life to that situation. That are going to begin to lift you up and, and, and bring God into that and Jesus as the center of your problem. Because when you move Jesus to the center, come on, you know who has to get out of the way? Me. That we need to begin to surrender It says that we surround ourselves with a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. We need to begin to surrender our lives and lay aside some things that may be holding us back. It says that we have weight and sins. That there are some things that are weights and some things that are sins. In 1 Corinthians 10.23, Paul says, he says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are 
lawful for me, but not all things edify. You know, just because something's not sin in your life doesn't mean it needs to be there, right? I, I, I came to the realization that, that I was spending a lot of time doing things that wasn't necessarily bad, but it was just wasting and eating up my time in order to do the things that I really wanted to do, that God's called me to do. That we need to surrender our time, surrender our energy to the work God's called us to do. Could you imagine if you were actually running a race, right? And you're running this 100-meter dash, okay? I'm not going to do it. But I start taking off running, and there's somebody in the, in the audience. I'm just like, hey, how you doing, man? It's so good to see you. You know, I'm glad to see you. You know what you're going to do? You're going to probably run off track, get disqualified, fall down. You're gonna, it's going to be bad ending for you. That whenever you're running that race of life, I'm not saying just put the blinders on, but what I'm saying is, is know your goals, know where you're going, and set a target that you can hit. We need to surrender those things that, got, that, that are in the way of us accomplishing our goals. And for that, that may be different things. It may not be a sin issue, but it may be. If you have sin in your life, I want you to know that, that it's going to be impossible for you to accomplish what God wants you to ac- accomplish. If you have a sin of, of just addiction, of, of pornography, lying, cheating, stealing, hating, unforgiveness, you need to, we can deal with that stuff today. We could deal with that stuff today. We could deal with it right now. But there's some other things we need to spend some time evaluating. Some weights. You, know, you don't run races with work boots on. There's a reason. Now, there's some things you do with work boots on. I'm not trying to say... There's nothing wrong with work boots, okay? But they're heavy. They're weights. They slow you down. Run the race God's called you to run. If you're running... Through a mill or a factory, please wear work boots, okay? Don't go to work Monday, say, well, Pastor Joe said not to wear work boots no more because they're slowing me down, okay? That's not what I'm saying. It's just a, it's an example. That we need to run with intensity. We, need, we don't need to be pulled from one thing to the next. Ephesians 4, 14 We should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plots. That we need to run with an intentional focus. That you need to learn the power of N-O. The power of K-N-O-W and the power of N-O as well. That you need to know where you're going and you need to say no when it's not leading you down that path. You know, I, I think about many times as I'm driving down uh, high, uh, Interstate 10 and I'm kind of starting to get to, close to Iowa and Alexandria exit, you start seeing these big billboards of, of just, you know, the, uh, the casinos. that You can win $10,000, win $25,000. So you get closer, win $50,000. Like, like $10,000 wasn't enough. The reality is, is that if we don't have a plan and we don't have an intentional focus knowing where we're going, then we're going to begin to be pulled off by all these little other things. Dave Ramsey says this about money. He says that, that if you don't have a plan for your money, he said, don't worry about it. Somebody else will, right? Somebody else has a plan. If you don't have a plan for your life, no problem. There's a real enemy that's roaming around seeking whom he may devour that has a plan for you. You can just let him have that and he'll take it and he'll use it. But I want you to know that that's not God's plan for you. That God wants you to use you as an overcomer. That he wants you to get focused, intentional, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who are warriors and not warriors. Who wants to take you to that next level in him with intense, intense focus on Jesus Christ.
not on empty promises. And finally, we need to be enduring in this run. You know, I love Pastor Tommy. He said this one time. He said that patience starts when you're ready to quit, right? It's easy to be patient when you're just getting started in something. Those first thoughts where you want to just, you know, hang it up, say, this isn't for me, that's when it's time. That's when patience begins to set in. Some races are short and some are long, but we need to understand that we, it's going to be difficult no matter which one you run. Even those short races have the, uh, the, the intense ability of having long times of preparation. I've heard a minister say one time that God sure does uh, take a long time to do something suddenly. God takes a, he took, he takes a long time to do things suddenly. How much more of us, even if we're just doing these event type things, we're just trying to reach our, our community, that we have to spend a lot of time in preparation for a one-day event. In the same way, we can't be so willing to give up. Come on, God's going to have our reward at the end. It may be difficult. It not may be. It will be difficult. There will be times and challenges that you're going to say, I just want to quit. That's when you just say, you hear the the crowd of those warriors that you've put in your life. They begin to just surround you with with these words of encouragement. I remember when I did my first 5K, I was running along, and and, and I came around this corner, and I was done. Because you're getting caught up in the moment, and I'm like, I ran like a 24-minute 5K or something like that, right? My, my, My quickest 5K before that was like 35 minutes, okay? I was just caught up in the moment, and I was coming around, and I was just dragging it. I came around, and I saw at the, the finish line, about a mile down, and there was just this big group of people that ran way faster than me that were just, oh, come on! I'm just, yeah, I'm coming! You know, just excited. We need to surround ourselves with those people. They can help us to endure. So the question today is, where are you running to? You graduates, begin to think about those things. Where am I running to? What does God have for his purpose in my life? You know, these next steps, you don't have to make final decisions. But you want, I want you to look at this and say, where am I going to be in five years? Where does God show me I'm going to be in ten years? Where does God show me I'm going to be in fifty years? The bottom line is, you may, those things... May not happen. That's not the point. But you need to start preparing now for the future. Paul says in in Acts 20, 24, he said, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. You see, we have to, as we begin to prepare ourselves, we come to this realization that, that God has a joy set for us. That even Jesus Christ, it says, for the joy set before Him endured the cross. That we don't count our lives dear. You see, as soon as we begin to say we're the focus of the run... We lose sight of where we're going. You know, when somebody's in a race, they're not considering the hurt and the pain of their legs and all that stuff. They're just looking at the goal. And there's great joy there at the goal. You know, the beautiful thing about a race is that we always have an opportunity 
to be encouraged along the way. One of those encouragements that we have is as we partake and com- commit ourselves to commune together.